Welcome to the Men at Work podcast, episode number one. Today's cast is a conversation with my friend Sandy Sembler. She is an incredible woman. She actually got her start as a teenager working in direct sales with Amway and went on to build a super successful real estate lending business from scratch while raising her son largely as a single parent. This is just really like a fraction of Sandy's story. Now, as a coach and a mentor, she's really helped dozens of men and women transform their businesses and relationships. Sandy and I actually met at a workshop where I got to experience her energy and commitment firsthand. So I think she's a lot more than a results coach, which is what she calls herself. She's really a transformation partner for her clients. She had a huge impact on me even just in a couple days. Our conversation took us around the world and I loved it. So we talked about getting brainwashed for the good, how to not reprimand a man into being a man, God's eyeballs, love languages, raising a son to being a great man, women and diffused awareness, the truth behind the male midlife crisis, treating women in a way that honors them, not turning princes into frogs, and bringing polarity into the workplace. And as a few bonus topics, we also talked about chopping wood and dad vent. I know you're going to love this conversation as much as I did. Let's dive in. I want to take us back a little bit because I'm interested yeah, primarily for my listeners to know, like, what's, I mean, you've got an amazing history of work and development, and now you're, you know, working as a coach. Can you walk us or walk me through where you've been? You know, you talked about direct sales. I know you've been involved in Amway a lot, but you've done some amazing things. I'm curious if you can just take me through a little bit of like where you've been and where you're at. Well, I, I really attribute, um, I always like to use and, you know, versus but in the sense like of Amway, I was, my parents, um, I think everything starts with our upbringing, good, bad, or indifferent. And for me, I'm grateful that uh, even though it was um, a tough childhood, I'm grateful that my parents had a vision. And so they, they took me to all these Amway meetings. And I remember being eight years old um, at these functions, they called them, and watching these couples on stage talking about edifying each other, building each other up, more traditional roles. Um, how even always keep yourself not mentally broke, but always appreciate where you come from and um, and everything was relationship driven so I my parents at a very young age were you know making maybe they were making me read books and um, and they believed in proximity's power you know like you because they I call it being brainwashed for the good and you know I, <laughs> I'm okay with that so um, but I can remember sitting there at eight just mesmerized by these people that had a lifestyle that we definitely didn't have. Um, but they would tell these stories that really made an indelible mark, you know, on my soul, but it wasn't just the stories. And the thing that I still ascribe to today is, um, to always be listening to positive things and being around positive people, because there's a, a couple of, of the cassette tapes back in the day, cassette tapes that, that when my parents listen to tapes all the time and I don't know, I'm older than you, but they're the, the big, because not the boom boxes, but the little black ones where you could record, you could yeah. press and record. But I can remember that, um, you know, my parents would have these tapes and they, and there was one called O'Harry and O'Harry was basically about this gentleman who's, who's, um, O'Harry was the brother-in-law of the couple that was building this business, this soap business. And he, um, and, and er, the, the brother-in-law would get around him. And every time that he was, this guy would go, would just like dog him for building this business. Cause it was out of the norm. It was out of the norm of what everybody else is doing. Like most entrepreneurs, right? Everybody thinks we're a little bit crazy for what we're doing. Yep. So uh, he was building this business. And, and, and uh, once he finally, this gentleman was starting to make make money and make bank basically he um he got like the cadillac or whatever the nice car was at the time and he would drive by his brother-in-law's house he would beep beep the horn and he would go oh harry and it just just be like just have fun with it so that i mean i mean i'm like i mean eight nine ten my parents built the business for a little while before they got a divorce but um that tape made such a mark on me about basically not letting anybody steal your joy steal your dream and um and I, I'm blessed that through social media, I've actually met the grandson of one of the leaders of that business. And um, he actually sent me like the CD version of that, that, uh, that tape. So I still, so you still got it. 
I do. I still got, I still got. And, and I still use so many of those principles of, um, of what it means to build someone up and define and define the good. And not only in like business, but also in just like personal relationships, because there's something to be said for, I mean, I know your programs around men at work. There's something to be said about what's happening at home because if you're always compartmentalizing, I mean, I'm looking at like the two of us on the screen right here, you know, if you're always like, here's work and here's home, then there's, there's a disconnect. I mean, there really is. And so I really like to speak on that piece that whatever we're, how we do anything is how we do everything. I mean, period. Yeah. yeah. And so is that something you picked up from all your work? I mean, how long were you, were you kind of growing up Amway as it were? So that's a good question. So I, um, it was, I mean, they, they were like three or four years and then they split up and then my, it was kind of a tough deal. And I, my mom had a really strong work ethic. So even though she wasn't building that business, um, I, we, I had to do a paper route with her and I had to, I was working at 14 and I moved out before I graduated from school. So even though Amway wasn't part of what was building money for my parents, I still was listening to those tapes. Like I still was listening to those tapes. Um, and because I just thought it was fascinating because it was, a, it, honestly, it was more for the family. And I created this really cool dream for myself. My parents split up when I was 12 and I, I had this mantra that was, um, that I was going to build a business with my husband. Our kids was never, would never know daycare. And if they were studying whales, we would go actually see the whales. Um, I think I, I mentioned this to you when, when I met you. And then um, I would, I would actually, I wouldn't homeschool because I know I have little patience for that, but I'd hire a teacher. So I had this big dream and it all came from hearing people teaching me how to dream and the books, like The Magic of Thinking Big by David Swartz was huge. So I um, developed this, this huge work ethic around that. I, I built my own Amway business at 18. I was able to start my own distributorship. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I love the fact that you, that here in America, especially that you don't have to necessarily have a college education, but as long as you have a dream and a product that you really love and you immerse yourself in it, you can become very, very successful. Um, not just financially, but also how many people are you serving? And that, that's what direct sales really spoke to me. Um, but then I got in the mortgage business and basically applied the same principle of building relationships and franchised the, that business. So, I mean, if you look at personal development today, I mean, there's books everywhere, yeah. um, less, you know, less cassette tapes and more YouTube videos and Ted talks, but you were literally at a, as a, a very young child, listening to these tapes, you know, you called it positive brainwashing, which I love, mm-hmm. um, and teaching yourself entrepreneurship. Yeah. So you go out, you, you start this Amway business at 18. Um, how many, I mean, how many 18 year olds are starting Amway businesses when you're doing this? You know, I think that I truly think the entrepreneurial bug is um, implanted in us. And um, I think a lot of it is by we watch what people are doing and we, I mean, the truth is, is that you shadow someone, you, you find somebody that you, you admire, whether it be, if you want to shoot like Michael Jordan, you're going to like watch, watch him over and over again. You watch it with Tiger Woods. I mean, wasn't he like golfing it too or something like that? He just was like, you, you do it over and over again. Um, I don't think there's probably very many people doing that. Uh, maybe more so now. I think there's more and more millionaires, you know, at a young age because of YouTube and such, right? I mean, they're, they're out there, but they're, 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 they're hustling. They're doing something different. And I think that's the key. Um, but I really also, it just boils down to relationship. I mean, even the people that are building their businesses, their brands online, they've developed a way to, um, I, I call it giving good phone or giving good video. You're able to like, develop rapport without actually, you know, touching them. But yeah. My high tech, high touch. I mean, even Amway, they back in the day, they actually tried to, you know, move away from their brand to go to Quickstar because they thought they were because the name to some people had negative connotation. But at the end of the day, it's like when Coke changed their 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 formula, people hated it. So like stand with by who you are, you know, who you are and what you're about and don't ever don't ever deviate from from that period. I mean, I don't care if you're like a man or a woman or building a business or whatever it is. I mean, know what you stand for and don't, don't, don't move. And be a, yeah. Be a mom. yeah. For me, really, I, it was interesting because I took a path of, I was in school and I ended up, you know, I 
dropped out of school. I was in nursing school, of all things. And I dropped out. Um, I started nannying. And I uh, was waiting tables and what have you. And I was, I got in the mortgage business on the fluke. So something I like to share as well is, you know, don't ever miss up on opportunity. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I sat in between two guys coming home from the Renaissance Festival, where I was filling in for a friend of mine and at nannying. And I met, you know, that's how I got in the mortgage business. Someone's like, it was just a, a chance. You take, you take a chance. Um, so the mortgage business was, um, this was back in the early 2000s. Or, no, that's not true. Sorry, that's not true. It was actually, God, was it 90? It was 94. So it was 94, excuse me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, it was the get. I was so hungry for the get, which I know you and I talked about polarity, the masculine feminine. I mean, I, that, that survival instinct is very um, masculine. So I will say that because of my upbringing and my parents' divorce and, you know, our house almost foreclosing and all these things, I mean, I'm, I can flip it and say I'm grateful for those hard times because it gave me a really, really strong work ethic. Um, it also sucked too, because there was a lot of security that I didn't have, but you make the best of it. So no, I don't, I don't know how many people were in the mortgage business back then, but I know for me, I just saw an opportunity to serve people, to use those same skill sets. Um, find out what people wanted in that in that situation. They wanted a home, and um, I was just hungry. I mean, I, would, I was hungry, and I, I I think more and more women now. Um, God, it feels like that was forever ago, but more and more women now are, are hungry for that. And the key the key for me now is to be able to balance being that hungry for the get, and also stay like yummy and feminine, and and still be able to actually be an asset to my son and you know the, the man in my life. Yeah. And the men in the world, quite frankly, because I think the women light up the world if they're they in there. They do when, when we let them. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly, I think it's when we let ourselves. I think, I think more and more men uh, probably are realizing that they actually need, need our light um, and don't need to be scared of us. I think it's, it's a, it's a, we need to educate women as well. And I know you and I are on opposite ends. We both agree in the same concept, but we're both coaching from, from opposite ends. Yeah, I mean, I, I I tend to work mostly with men, but um, you know, I'm curious because you you've got into into coaching in an interesting way. I mean, you were coaching men and women in business because you were so hungry and you were so successful as an entrepreneur. Um, what are you know What are some of the things you picked up from coaching, or maybe actually more importantly, like why did you why how did you get into this? I mean, you were doing it for free, and now it's become you know a passion and moving into a business for you, the coaching side. Yeah, well, I think God, if you're willing to accept the challenge, you can make your mess a message. And so I had the mortgage business that was very successful. Um, and I, I, I got out of that because um, so I got married and I decided that I was going to be this domesticated goddess. And so um, I met my husband at the time. He was my private investor for like three years, didn't even know who he was. And then we finally met. Um, and he was very traditional. And he, he, I, and I, and I, I've never been an opportunity, an opportunity where I, I could just be home with my kid and we would have more children and what have you. So it's interesting. Um, and so I decided to bite the bullet and sell out my piece of, of this mortgage company. And, um, but I still maintain my independence. I still actually worked with my husband and we like bought properties and things like that. I like to be busy. Um, I like to actually be productive and he liked the way I built relationships. So I would like work within his company and like screen people and stuff like that. But um, what happened is, is that through that relationship, it was, um, how do I say this? It was, it was less than healthy. It was a little controlling and it was an insidious thing where slowly but surely I lost my independence and kind of lost who I was. And the person that you've gotten to know over the last year or so is like super, I mean, this is who I am. And I was that when I got married, but through time, um, if a man is not comfortable in their own skin, they can take a strong woman and they can just squash us. Um, and I didn't understand boundaries back then. I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite as whole back then, quite frankly. And so um, I was in this relationship that didn't, that wasn't, that served me. Um, yeah. But it did. So I got out of that relationship and realized that um, through, I was repeating patterns. And I, um, I had you know, been introduced to Tony Robbins years ago. And um, a friend of mine saw me like repeating patterns and relationships with men, not necessarily with work, because the truth is if some of these men I had dated or married I had worked for me, I probably would have fired them. 
quite frankly. <laughs> because it was a romantic relationship, um, I was in a place of trying to please um, and then also a lot of fear-based. So I, I was attracting, I mean, you and I talked about energy, like we attract, we attract these people and um, because either we think we deserve it or it's just our brains just thinks that's home, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So I um, had a big, I had a friend of mine who I love and she kind of kicked my butt. I was in another relationship that was similar to the yucky, um, toxic, somewhat abusive relationship. I say somewhat, it was abusive relationship. And uh, she goes, you need to get your ass kicked. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, you're so busy whitewashing, you're following a pattern and I need for you to go see Tony Robbins. And um, I had actually, I mean, you know how faith-based I am. I had actually bought tickets to see Tony like two and a half years before this, this relationship was ending and I didn't go. And so I'm like, I can't go. I'm not going to go. It's fusitis. And then I, I prayed about it. And then I got a call from Tony Robbins sales team. And they, they actually, no kidding. It's like, you know, we're going to be in your area. Are you familiar? And I went, yeah. They said, well, we see you bought tickets. Do you want to go? I called my bestie from Australia. And um, I said, you're never going to believe this. She's like, well, of course. Hello. I give it all to God. And, um, and I, she goes, but you need to be in the spit zone. I'm not taking the extra ticket. You need to cash that in because you need to be up there. Like, you know, if you've ever seen Tony Robbins, he's like huge. And you're sitting down on his crotch level. And he's like, when he's on it, he's spitting on you. She goes, you need to be in that zone. And so anyway, they let me do that. And so I, I went to an event, um, you know, a few years ago, five years ago now. And um, I was they do the wheel of life and they're your values and everything in my life was amazing. Um, philanthropy, work, finances, you know, my, my son, faith, but it was intimate relationships. So I was like that flat tire. And so I signed up for coaching with him and, um, and it ended up having a huge intervention about four hours where basically he nailed my tush about being very masculine. Like I was like, if you've ever watched the, the I'm not your guru with Tony. It's like, yeah. it's, his date with destiny. I went to one of those events and he basically, um, you know, he kindly let me know that I was like, you know, an attractive dude. And I was really, um, didn't realize I was emasculating men. And then it was coming from a place of fear that I was, um, you know, anytime we are interrupting you guys or telling you directions or, um, I guess trying to head the table, so to speak, um, that we're emasculating you. There's a lot of detail behind that, but that's how it started. I was fascinated. Um, I had, you know, I was in a place where I was in real estate and the mortgage business was residual based and other things, but I, I was like, holy cow. I mean, how am I, I never would have thought that I was masculine. So he, that started me on this path. And I, um, and I flipped my business coaching with them to a relationship. And I just did a deep dive because if you know, Tony, he basically gleaned so many people's work in one, and I had to go find out where it was. So I went and studied under Alistair Armstrong and David Data and some other people to get to where I am now. And I just love teaching people about polarity and why we do what we do and why we turn off the people we turn off. And um, I have a son, and I wanted to make sure that I was raising as a single mom a, a son that was going to be a man, not a lot of um, boy men that we see walking around these days. Yeah. Say more about that. What's the, what's the boy man? Well, especially, I mean, this is before the whole Me Too movement. I think a lot of men are actually afraid to um, probably even look at a woman or compliment a woman or hold the door for a woman. And so I think many moms don't even realize that as we helicopter, not only our boys, but our girls too, but, you know, we're, we're robbing them of the, of the opportunity to train themselves to problem solve. And so then as women, and I'm going to speak just general, cause I'm sure there's some women that may say this, but I don't feel that way, but let me just speak in generalities. Most women are turned off by a man who can't make a decision. I mean, I don't care if it's, where do you want to, you know, where, where are we going to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to go? I mean, sometimes we just want you just to freaking just say, we're going here, almost like you're bossing us around. So with my son, um, you know, he has a dad that's very much involved in his life and a great dad, um, you know, much more domesticated than even I was. Um, you know, we, were, we worked together a bit and um, amazing, really domesticated. I would, you know, I'd breastfeed and then he would, I'd pump and then he would feed Cameron and he was very admin in our business and we did the mortgage business together. Um, and I'm grateful for that because we just, it, that worked out well, but I still, I still didn't get that mommy feel. I, I there was a disconnect for me. Um, a lot of resentment, which is probably why we, how, another reason why we ended up not together. 
quite frankly. But um, I didn't know the language then. I didn't know to tell him that I needed him to step up and step in. I did it by withholding withholding everything. I mean, everything you know we've learned through our workshops we've done together, Travis, has been through like revealing a woman, revealing your open heart. I was like, no, I mean, you're not touching this, like nothing. I wouldn't, I mean, I was so, um, I did what the typical woman does is that they think that they're going to punish to get their man to, to basically do the thing. And so um, with my kiddo, I mean, I realized he's 19 now that if I didn't, I wanted to, I wanted to have a relationship that he would, you know, attract a man that I would want him to be like too. Um, you know, besides just his father. So I wanted him to see his mom being treated well, his mom being treated like a queen and such. So that's been interesting. I mean, I, I, I still, he's home from college now where it's, you know, it's Christmas time and I'm watching him now. And um, I realized that he really, I played both roles a lot in his life. And so he looks to me as like this breadwinner in this house, obviously. And then yet, as I've been working on being more feminine in the last couple of years, for me, you know, we call it learned helplessness. I mean, even with my, my, my son, he's so used to me doing everything. Like I was changing an air filter and then I realized, what am I doing? Let me ask him to do it. And he's like, he's like why, why, why do you need me to do that? And I said, I, and I'm like, you know, I would really love you to do that for me. Um, that whole, and it seems so contrite, but it's huge because, you know, he may not have the same lifestyle that I have. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, he's not inheriting anything, so he needs to figure it out. So he's not going to have like a, you know, his toolbox isn't going to be a Rolodex, so to speak, with ha a handyman. So um, I want to teach him how to go out in the world and be a better man for his, you know, my future daughter-in-law and such. So, um, you know, I've studied under some great people and I'd love to talk about while I'm here that, you know, that honor men and, and taught me really how to um, lay down the sword of emasculation and to learn to trust men and learn how to trust myself, um, which we take then into the workplace. But again, I mean, it really, it can happen at home. So I like to work with women and, and teach them that they can still be a badass bitch at work, but have some rituals and some practices that when they're coming home, that they sink into who they are. So when they walk in that door, you know, they're not in that directive place that they're more, they're more whimsical and they're more fun and they're more, they're more effervescent and light. Um, and that's a big shift, but you guys have your cave, right? You need your downtime. So when a woman's in her masculine coming home from work, she's in the same place, but we're still wearing all these other hats. Um, and so we, it's, it's a matter of just learning it. So yeah, I had to really do, a, I mean, it's, it's, I think I parented a lot as a lot of single parents do, whether you're a man or a woman out of guilt and fear. Um, and I think the coolest thing is to go to your kids and go, you know, I owe you an apology. You know, I, I did the best I could, but I really, what I'd love to do is be able to show you these, you know, these modalities and the, these things, and then, um, admit our flaws and then not wallow in it and then just step up from that place. I think there's something hugely um, beautiful about humility. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is powerful. I haven't done that with my kids, um, yet, but it's a good, it's a darn good idea. I'm curious, Sandy, you talked about how do you raise your son to attract the, you know, future daughter-in-law that you'd like to have or something like that? I mean, yeah. what does that look like? I mean, you've raised your, you know, you're, I don't know how many years you were a single mom for, but you know, you're mostly oh, raising your son on yeah. your own. It's been, I mean, honestly, it's for the last eight years. So, I mean, I've been in a relationship, but dating someone, but um, not now, but um, I am not in that relationship now, quite frankly, because I didn't, I realized I didn't want my son to be like this person. I was like, whoa, what am I doing? I mean, I need to be accountable here. I remember how we do anything, how we do everything. And I wasn't being congruent. Um, but, um, you know, that is actually where I really wanted to make the change for myself. It wasn't just for him changing. It was more for me. Like, who do I need to be to attract the, the man in my life? Who do I need to be to attract the right client? Who do I need to be in order for my son to step into who he needs to be? And it was, it had nothing to do with, um, although I thought it did for years that I needed to be in a relationship in order to, I mean, I really did. I remember coming home from India. I'll never forget this. And um, I had been with Tony Robbins and our group and I came home and, um, and it was winter time here in Florida. And I think my, our pool at the time was heated. And I remember like walking in, I've been gone for three weeks and I saw the heat rising off the pool. And I went, Oh my God, it's been on for like 
weeks. So who knows what the bill is going to be? But I remember Cameron <laughs> jumped. I was serious. I, I see Cam, my Cameron's my son. See him, and I um, had had this this another intervention with Tony in India about um, learning the art of chilling out, like learning the art of just chilling out, which is something that I didn't do very well at the time. And so um, I learned this this conversation piece, which was to. So I looked at Cameron and went, "You want to go in?" And he's like, yeah, let's go in. So I basically just went and put my bathing suit on. He like jumped in his boxers. We jumped in the water. And it was, um, it was just a matter of like building rapport with him again. And I did the whole, I'm, you know, an apology. You have, I've been trying to like morph you into me and this like bulldog. And quite frankly, you're pretty damn perfect the way you are. And you have a gift that I don't have. And I, I'll never forget, Travis, he looked at me like, are you coaching me again? I'm like, this is a Tony Robbins thing. And I went, no, I just really honor you because you have a gift that I don't have. And he's like, what is it? And I said, you have the gift of chilling out. Like you can chill out better than anyone that I know. And he's like, are you being sarcastic? I went, no, I'm serious. You really can't chill out better than anybody that I know. And um, I asked him if he would, and I taught him like how I trained people in the mortgage business back in the day and even in direct sales that just shadow, you know, find somebody that's doing what you like and then follow them. So I followed him around for a day or two, like whatever he was doing. And if he was playing video games, I played video games. And I just basically kind of did, did the same thing. And what it did is it built some rapport between us where credibility, quite frankly, because I honored him. And what I learned from that moment, now I learned it from the interactions with working with Allison and David, understand that you men need respect, but I got to actually, that was probably the first I really got to embody it was with my own kiddo. And um, where I saw him light up like a Christmas tree. I saw him walk taller. I saw him, you know, just be more honorable to me because I was honoring him. I mean, it was like this vibration shifted because I, even in, in him playing video games, which I loathed at the time, um, and I used to see him as being lazy because he wasn't as go, go, go as I was. Um, I mean, if you, unconditional love is accepting somebody for exactly where they are. And I realized that I was, my biggest complaint is I've never been loved unconditionally and poor, poor Sandy, but I, my own kid, I probably wasn't loving him like exactly where he was. That was a real pivotal moment for me. And then, um, and my dad passed away shortly thereafter. So it was, um, it was a big time for me to have a, a big sense of loss. And then also like stepping in, like, who do I need to be to, um, to attract a man who actually got to leave space for a man to come in and want to actually take care of me. And, and that's so controversial because a lot of feminists don't want to be taken care of, but it's the feminine, even in the feminist that I find that we still want a man. We want this like hedge of protection around us. And just because we can do everything doesn't necessarily mean that we can, um, which I mean, I'm curious how you feel about that. I mean, your wife is a dynamo, but I also know that she, she loves for you to actually step in and, and take the reins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot of what you said, it hits home for me. I think, you know, watching my own parents, I know my dad was often paralyzed by decision-making. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen the, I've seen the same, I've seen myself play the same tape cause you know, that's what, that's what boys do. They're going to, you know, mimic or yeah. parrot what they see. So that's been big for me is to step up and really just take a nap, whether it's like deciding what to eat for dinner or, right, exactly. you know, you know, making a big decision about a, the future of the family. It's, it's important, but I'm, you know, I think what's interesting is in this, in, in the time we're in right now around me too, we've talked about a couple things. You talked about, you know, women not being as comfortable going, well, I like, I want to be a boss all day. Um, and then we've got, on the other hand, we've got these, uh, what did you call them? The man, the man boys or the, man boys. <laughs> yeah, the man boys. I mean, they're like, um, I mean, almost like gorilla boys, I, I, I like to call it too. I mean, they, they, they want what they want, but they're still like, their, their behavior is still very childlike. I mean, there's, there's three levels. I mean, there's three layers. I'm, I don't know if you told your listeners about like David dated the three levels of love. You know, there's that baby love where you, you want what you want and you want it. Like, you know, I got to eat and I'm going to eat now, even if it's supposed to be fasting for a blood test. You know, level two, right? Level two is um, you're in relationships where, um, whether it be in work or business or your lover or even your 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 kids with your kids, it's that you're it's mutually beneficial where you're able to offer advice because because um, you love them. And then level three, which um, you know, I consider you to be like a level three friend, is someone that you know my, you know my highest what I really want out of my life. And if you see me off track, you're going to go, Sandy, this isn't for your highest good. And because I respect that level three, 
I'm not going to be, be mad at you because you actually, I'm like, I see it for the good. Most people can't live in level three all the time. Um, so I think that, that we're in a place where there's a lot of uh, fast pace, social media and such, and people are selfish, um, not, and, and women too, quite frankly. So, um, I mean, I think that it's a matter of educating men and women and about what it is that we really want and asking really good questions and, and teaching men and even women to ask each other, is that really true? And be willing to actually be, be willing to ruffle feathers a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you're not afraid to do that, which is one of your true gifts, but you do it in a really open hearted way. And I think that's, that's one of the big differentiators. Um, yes. For, for, for those kind of people that are operating on level three is they'll, they're not afraid to say the thing, but they're not saying it from a place of being an asshole or being a bitch. They're saying it from a place of like open heart. Like, I really, like, I, I really want this for you. Um, it's, it's different. Right. It, it is. And, and quite frankly, I mean, it's, it's an art. I mean, I, I think that one of the, the coolest thing I've learned from some of the teachers that you and I've worked with is that, you know, life actually is art. I mean, what we do on a daily basis, even from brushing our teeth, is an art form. And what, what are we practicing versus I'm just brushing my teeth? It's like, how can I do this the best that I can? And mo that's an entrepreneur, in my opinion, that's an entrepreneurial way of thinking about things. Like, how can I make things bigger, better, brighter? Um, and I'm sure there's people in corporate America that feel that way too, but I think it's a mindset. And I do, I do attribute a lot of the books that I read from that early, those Amway days that still, be, I mean, I'm in my office, you can see my, my book, my bookshelf is covered with books and sometimes multiple books because I give away books. Um, even though people like to see them on their phone or their tablet, but I like to feel them. I pulled some off my bookshelf cause I wanted to actually, if we had a chance to reference them cause they're, they're amazing about you know, that I read for my own being, because I do coach a lot of women that are moms. Um, but also I do coach a lot of men who don't even know how to be men. They're freaked out by it. Um, you know, when a man comes to me, I'm in fact, one of, one of my attorneys, when I was going through my divorce, he was uh, separated and he was telling like 26 or 26 years together. And he, um, and he was telling me that he was separated and such. And um, and we developed this friendship and where we could have actually probably gone out. And I was like, no, no, thank you. Um, you know, when's the last time you pressed her up against the wall and put her hands over her head and just like took her? And he's like, took her. And I went, no, I, I take her. And like, she really just be truly into me because she wouldn't want that. I went, how do you know? So I, I love Byron Katie, an author. And, you know, one of her questions is, is and I've coined it like the God's eyeballs. Do you have God's eyeballs? But she's like, is it true? And then most of them, yeah, it's absolutely true. She does not want me to press her up against the wall and take her. And I'm like, but is it really true? And then it was like, oh, crap. You know, I don't know. And I said, who, you know, how, do, how did you think she shows up when you're constantly withholding, you know, taking her? And then he lists these things. And I said, well, who would you need to be? And how do you show up? And then what happens is, is you, it's a reflection ex exercise where you realize that we can't always blame everybody else for where we are. We generally are literally reflecting what, what's going on. Um, and I do that even with my own son. I mean, I've, I've had a couple experiences as he's been home from school because um, now I've been like empty nester home where I've gotten used now to being home alone. Um, at first I hated it. Now I realize I kind of like it. Um, but I'm having like mirror match him again and um, also not allow him to revert back to being this boy, like a, like a kid. And to actually remind him without, you can't reprimand a man into being a man, right? I can't reprimand him and say, you, you, should, you should be a man. It should be, you know, like, I, and I just, I just say, you know, honey, I really need you to do this for me. He's like, why? Is I just really do. And I just basically just leave it like that and allow him to do it badly. Um, because I see so many women that I know that are so pissed off because their man's not leading them perfectly. But really, sometimes they're just doing the best they can. And what's the so, worst that's going to happen? I mean, I mean, you know, the light bill doesn't get paid or, I mean, I know there's a lot of, I'm not, I'm not being so general, but yeah, some, yeah. there are some, you know, you guys, I'm, I mean, I'm going to simplify it. You guys are so, so craved to be respected. And um, the best thing we probably could do is I'm referring to a lot of books, but like learn each other's love languages. And the first thing I do when I'm working with someone, is I, I find out what their love language is so I can coach them more efficiently, but also have them, you know, if they can have their spouse or partner take the test, including their kids and, and them. So that alone can save so much time and men love to be efficient. Um, and there's so many masculine women that we do too. So um, to figure out what it is that, that lights us up. I mean, I mean, how much has your relationship shifted now that, now that you really are being more deliberate and intentional on lighting each other up? 
I mean, whether you started a day ago or a year ago, when you're like putting full attention on what matters to your family, you know, your whole family dynamic changes, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I mean, the texture of it is just different. Yeah. Less. Yes. It feels less rigid and less task focused. Do you find that you're more motivated to go out there and create and build and um, I guess like go, I guess, you know, kill the dragon, so to speak, you know, knowing that that home is, is, has a more fun loving environment now that you're doing your, your part. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's hard. It was hard. It's hard to do because home to me is like used to be, well, home's got to be structured just like work. And I think that's, that's the work. That's the work I see in a lot of my clients. You know, a lot of the men I coach is they're doing the same thing. They're trying to apply the same structure they would apply to work that they would apply in the home. I am curious from your perspective, like you coach a lot of men, coach a lot of women from the, from the, from both sides, what's the biggest challenge you're seeing with these days, certainly with, with men or some of the biggest challenges. I can't imagine there's only one. So in the, in the workplace, I mean, I, I well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Cause I think you said how you do one thing is how you do everything. I think this I, I like to think so. Huge. I mean, I think that, I think it's a matter of like really studying, um, you know, I'm going to plug Alison Armstrong. She has the understandingmen.com and, um, and it started where, and I, and, but you can also, she also honors women, but it really is about honoring you guys as heroes and teaching women the stages of development and what you're doing. Um, so, I mean, really just becoming a student and versus seeing you guys as, you know, a lot of women will look at you and I go, wow, he's just a hairy chick. Look at him. He's like a, a hair. And, and we expect you to emote like we do and to speak. And um, I mean, I'm telling a story. I've, I've caught myself doing it a couple of times. And I start with one thing and I end up going around the block a few times, but I end up right back where you wanted me to be. But that's called a meta report. A woman's brain, we have diffused awareness. And that's why, you know, we're able to see the, you know, we, you say, honey, where are the socks? I know where they are, but I'm also working on my business deal. And I'm also writing a contract with this person here. Um, because we just, we, we can do that. But instead of getting frustrated with us as a man, why can't she just focus? Just go, wow, I actually have wonder and being curious about who we are. I mean, it, it seems so simple and it actually is. It's a matter of learning about who we are and also seeing the beauty of who we are as women. Cause you know, think about your life and, and how, um, you know, that's added texture to actually appreciate Rebecca for who she is. Right. Um, and I, I know you and I had an experience where we met at a workshop where we got to actually play off of each other and see, you know, I got to experience your structure, which only made me more flamboyant. Right. And it was, I was able to actually like get it, realize my essence even more than, and I realized that for me to actually be safe, um, not just physically safe, but just emotionally safe that I need to actually be around people where I, there's a groundedness to them. And so um, I think it's a matter of just understanding the differences between men and women and, um, and understanding that in the workplace, it really isn't that much different. Maybe we're just clothed a little different. So I, I like to talk to women about, um, and then I'll talk about the men because I know it's a little scary, I can imagine, is that it's not about dressing, you know, dr- dressing feminine. Um, it's really more about how we show up. And it really is more about the smile on our face or um, is our hair down or are we, um, are we, are we, are we, and even the way we talk, are we like staccato gun or is there, do we have, do we have some cadence? I mean, how we, our voice inflection and what you watch men light up around that. And a lot of um, women will be offended by me saying that, but it's, it's just truth because it's, um, we, we get more out of life with the more people that we light up and it seems very manipulative. And I, I like to use the term Glenda the good witch. I mean, I'd rather be manipulative for the good and work with what God's given us with a masculine and feminine energy. And even if you have someone who's, um, you know, I have many friends of mine who are gay and they, they take on the more masculine role and, um, and our friendships are like beautiful because we play off each other's polarity. And um, I have a dear friend of mine that I've met at a Brendan Bouchard event and, you know, she's married and, you know, she's, she has lost her feminine essence, she realized. And so I've taught her some things like how to basically get on the floor and like move your body and do some things so you could, because we're women and, but we can take on that sacred masculine, just like many, many men now will take on that sacred feminine, which you and I talked about, which is like the gentle giant. I mean, Tony, Dun- I'm, I'm a live in Tampa Bay. So, you know, Tony Dungeon was a buck, was a buccaneer coach. And what I love, and he's very faith-based. And what I love about him, and I know his wife as well, that he's, um, 
he's a gentle giant. I mean, he's very, 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 he's very strong and he's like a redwood, but my God, I mean, he, he will emote, but he does it in such a way where you still feel extremely emotionally safe. You feel like you can trust him. And I think that's one reason why I've heard that he was a really good football coach as well. Well, and I'm, you know, that might be the thing that we're looking for um, for men and women in the workplace as well, is that ability to have both essences, but know when you're in it so that you don't end up in this kind of neutral. Well, yeah. I remember what I said about when I came home from India and I jumped in the pool with Cameron. I, mean, I don't expect, you know, the, the male CEOs and the women like to jump in the pool. I mean, but to have that conversation of, you know, everything's gotten a little more casual, I think, even in the big, the big companies that I've worked within. But to have that, speak to the elephant in the room. I mean, speak to, you don't have to go to however your politics are, whether you think, you know, what about Trump or Obama or whatever, and a misogynistic whatever. It doesn't matter. What it is is more like, you know, let's acknowledge that from their point of view, because the CEO is head here. People talk about like Amway being a pyramid scheme, and I always laugh because corporate America to me is just as much as a pyramid. You know, <laughs> it's period in the story, in a story, but that's my that's a different soapbox, no pun intended. But I, um, I, I think that it's really cool for someone to, to say, I want to address something that people aren't talking about, but they want to, and that immediately to me gives credibility to the the person, woman or man, who's higher up, because it's like okay we can talk about this. And, you know, it starts with that person and then it trickles down, you know, like, like Reagan economics. So, I mean, just like it trickles down. So you can talk about these things. So it creates a permission that we can share, we can share what's going on and it might be somewhat controversial, but, you know, I personally think that a little bit of aggravation can create a lot of, um, of, uh, of, of, of friction and action. I mean, right, if everybody's just stagnant and like socialist and walking around like a lot of businesses that I've been in and I've worked in, it's boring and people are bored, which is why productivity's down. You know, I mean, right, people like monitor people. They're probably like on social media or doing other things to get their jazz. Why not get jazz about doing breakouts at the office and spending a little bit more time with um, value added conversations? Um, so a lot of things that I do with people is that we film like little snippets of videos, like little, um, I've got so many nuggets of people that I've worked with, but give them like a value add that it's not just about what they could do in the office, but how can they take it home? Cause you bring someone in the office that just maybe, you know, just made love to her husband, for example, she's going to come in the office feeling like a badass, And so is the husband, by the way. So, I mean, but it's like, how do you teach those things? And like, well, what does that have to do with our bottom line here at Chase? It has everything to do with your bottom line at Chase. I mean, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the way I feel. So I know the people that I work with is huge and it does make a difference. And the people have a little bit more pep in their step. And it still goes back to understanding that, you know, that when a man's going through the midlife crisis, they're going basically from a prince of building their empire to going through where, where that membrane between the left and right hemisphere is starting to lessen. And they're like, who the hell am I right now? And they're trying to grapple onto their youth not because they're jerks, not because they got the Corvette and they need to have the young girl. It really is. They don't know who they are. So if a woman can actually be patient with them, obviously not put up with cheating or whatever, whatever. But my point is I just see it and actually talk to them more directly about what's going on from, like you said, an open-hearted place. I think you probably see less divorces after that process. Um, I know there were a lot of divorces after the, we had the, the crisis in 2008, especially people in real estate, um, which I can attest to that. So to be able to understand where people are in general and be empathetic, but especially from that masculine, you know, feminine space. Um, so there's a great resource, you know, Allison has one, it's called the stage of development and men, um, which is beautiful. So men can understand themselves and then also understanding men and women, which is huge. And I can, um, I can send that to you so you can actually share that. Does help you understand like who we are. It's more like, whoa, I had no idea. I mean, I literally, you can, you're single focus. You're thinking about one thing. I'm thinking about literally 20 things right now. I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear at the Christmas party tonight. I'm thinking about, did I get food for tomorrow? Am I doing a good job right now? Is he happy with me? Am I, you know, am I talking too fast or whatever? It's like all this. Well, now know. I'm thinking of all that stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's, you know, but then, but then like, then it's, it's just to have a respect for, who we are because if I share with you you know my husband just died yesterday you would immediately have compassion for me right but just to have compassion to me just because I'm a woman that there's a missing link there or for a woman especially let's face it I'm around a lot of women who hate men and it's like the Jerry Maguire movie with um with remember whenever there's like the hate men book club or something like that yeah 
it, I can't stand to be around women who, who don't respect men. Um, because they actually, they, and generally when a woman's complaining and nagging, it's because she doesn't feel safe. So a great question to ask would be, you know, what is it that you really need right now? Um, so even in the workplace, like, what is it that you really need right now? What would you need in order to be more productive? I mean, you know, those little questions like that to learn the art of it, that's all that we need to do. Because, I mean, women really don't want to live in that space all the time, but they are going to be at work because that's how we get things done. Um, so for a man to learn the art of, um, you're going to have to get with it because there are more and more women in the workplace. So we can, you can pretend like it's not happening, but it is. So to learn the, the communication style, to be able to communicate with us and then let and then let us work with the women to have them still understand that they can still be badasses and be like a goddess at the same time. And then the, and the men can help with that as well. I mean, obviously the boss can't be saying you look beautiful today, um, but they can treat women in a way that to honor them. And I really do, when I've counseled with people and coached people to do that in the beginning, to change the culture of their environment, it, it really does shift things quite a bit and do like, I know it seems kind of silly, but do like office book clubs and stuff like that, where even if everyone doesn't participate, there's an awareness. There's like this umbrella of awareness, like, well, the head honcho, man or woman, is approving of this. Um, you know, The Queen's Code was the book that Allison wrote, and it's about a woman in the workplace that just is exhausted because she feels violated. Um, and then the men in the book, they, they're talking about that they don't, they don't even know how to respond to her. So it really, it, it's an interesting place where women are like, oh, okay, wait a minute. It's just an awareness. We don't even realize that, that we're turning a lot of um, princes into frogs. And I don't mean just, just from dating, but I mean, just in general that we can gobble you up and spit you out. And then we're like, I wonder why, I, mean, I wonder why he's not being productive or I wonder why he doesn't call me back or, um, yeah. you know, depends on just your, or I wonder why my son doesn't want to take out the garbage. You know, what, it depends whatever. on your frame. I mean, these, these, these are universal truths, whether they apply at work or home, you know, raising kids or in relationship. I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept, though, to think about bringing polarity into the workplace. And I say that because, you know, if we look at where we're at with the way that we have talked about women's leadership in particular, you know, we look at the lean in movement, which did amazing things to elevate the conversation. And at the same time, there's yeah. still a model of leadership that is largely masculine based, largely masculine based leadership. So polarity is, is almost destroyed. So you, it's like, if you want to be successful, you show up in a masculine capacity in some way of, you know, structure and goal orientation, all those kind of things. So Allison's perspective is super helpful, but I guess I'm curious for you, like, how do you, how do you bring the conversation of polarity into the workplace without it becoming misogynistic or used in the wrong way, I suppose? Well, because you speak of it as this, you talk about the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine, because, you know, I, I have a statement, the sacred masculine in a woman is going to be mama bear. I mean, as soon as the man, I don't know how many hours it is, there's like a study that when a man leaves the home, traditional home, that our instincts kick in and that we're, uh, we, we go into that role of making sure we're protecting our space. Someone messes with my kid. I mean, I don't care if he's 19 or not. Like I want to like protect him. Um, I, when I'm work, for example, if I'm going to get groceries, um, you know, there's a can and there's a can over here. If I'm in my feminine, I'm going to take me, going to take me forever to go pick up that can. But if I'm in a directed place, I'm going to go just pick it up. So that's sacred masculine within this body that I'm, that I'm in now. Cause I mean, I've, I've actually learned the art of being more feminine, which I like. I, I'm not as productive when I'm in that feminine place because everything's exciting. I mean, I'm very like, Oh, look at the puppy. Oh, look at this. Oh, I mean, and I, so that may seem like I'm not productive at work, but when i am in work mode, I get things done. So the sacred masculine, that's where that is. And for the, um, the man, the same. I mean, the, the sacred feminine is going to be the compassionate one. So instead of it making it just masculine, feminine polarity, which is where we've been going the last couple of years, now we're, we're focusing on that. And that way it doesn't make then you're quite frankly, then you're being respectful to if there's anybody that if there's homosexuals or if there's people that are transgender, because that's where we're living these days. Um, there's a lot of women who are more masculine and maybe wearing a masculine mask or they just are. And then the man at home is going to take more of the feminine role. So I think that that those key phrases are, are huge to go. It's so it's OK for a man 
to be um, to be gentle and to not be aggressive and to not it doesn't have to be to talk about fondling women to be to fit in necessarily and it really comes down to two I mean you know John Elridge wrote this book Wild at Heart um, which I actually have right here because I just sent it to a client and it's amazing and it talks about you know like old-fashioned you know traditions in today's society I mean that's to, for a man to step up and go hey dude that's not cool I mean, that's, you know, a, a showing a woman's picture, for example, a naked picture at a boys club. I mean, like, that's not okay. Um, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. But that goes back down to morals and values. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a matter of what, what are we doing behind the scenes. But you're asking about leadership. Again, I'm going to say this. I think it really is just a matter of doing what's right, living in rightness. But it's down to the same principles that I was listening to at eight years old. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And, and there's something I love all these, you know, these resources we have about embodying, you know, what it's like to be a man. I mean, go chop wood, go get your testosterone. Up. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I mean, go chop wood. I mean, you go to one of Tony's seminars where the women are learning how to move, like literally move. And the men are learning how to basically uh, do some type of karate where they could kill somebody. Um, and I've seen it where the where there were you know there were gay couples and the one and one woman was going in there to learn how to kill and the other one was in there learning how to move her body. Um, whatever's going to work, but you take that into the workplace. I mean, you don't have to do seductive dance in the workplace, but to actually address this is where we are. I mean, this is what's happening, and um, and that you know, for example, when I was shared this the other day with you that when men smell food, you have to eat. You know, you have to eat. So instead of being upset, you know, you come home from work and you're making dinner for your for your husband and the kids that he comes to the door and wants to like eat a donut or what goes in the pantry. Just he just needs to eat. So to understand that we're just we're just different. I mean, we are very different. And that the woman is when we're at work, we um, we're more stressed than you can even imagine. But that doesn't mean that we need extra breaks or what have you. It just really means, I think, more of acknowledgement. We really just want to be heard. It's kind of like that. That was that YouTube with the nail. It's not about yeah, the, nail. The, the nail movie. It's not about the nail. Yes, yeah, like not you about don't the, nail. the problem. It's probably not about that project. We probably yeah. just women need it. Maybe need a little bit more affirmation um, and acknowledgement. And and um, we also can kick butt. I mean, we can do that. We can do it all. We just don't necessarily want to. And, and I want to say this too. Um, you know, I as I was studying with Allison, I had to study a lot of different men and interview them through through a year process. You know, most men that I worked with, um, they all said that they love strong women who are voluntarily vulnerable. And this is more in the, and just in general, um, that we, you want to be with a woman who's not helpless. And, um, but also, so that way, because we are strong, that when we chose to surrender ourselves, that you appreciated it so much more. So it's almost like the polarity within the individual. There's the, you know, the boss. And then there's, yeah. you know, the vulnerability piece of it too. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually like, I'm going to give you kudos. I mean, I've been watching you, you know, what you're doing with your kids and you're more actively involved in doing this, you know, this whole dadvent thing. I mean, I think that's amazing. And you're, you and I talked before we, on this, this call that we're, that the culture is there. I mean, that's something that's very creative, right? And it's, um, it's very creative and it's not, it's not super macho. I mean, from somebody who's like a lumberjack, but to me, that is so hot and like amazing that you're like creating that culture because it's, you're the master of time and space of your home, which is totally masculine. And what that does, I'm sure for Rebecca, is it frees her up to be even more creative in her juices. So I can imagine that the energy in your home and your kids are picking up on that. So what you're bringing to your workforce and what Rebecca is, has got to be even more like, um, yummy, I guess, yummy and, and, and vibrant. Yeah, right. well, I think it's a, it's a different way to think about masculinity as well. Because, Wait. well, if you think about the idea of, of Dadvent, you know, me planning different Advent events for my girls yeah. and myself to do, well, I sat down at the table, you know, we did art, we built the Christmas tree that we were going to put the Advent events on. And then, I, you know, we, we each, each card every day is is a piece of art. You know, I did some really terrible illustration, but I sat down and, and went through this creative flow process, which is, you know, the feminine energy. And then the masculine though, is the planning. Yes. And, and right. And so that's, that's what I'm saying is I, I, I'm sitting back here admiring that, you know, admiring that because I know, because I know what that takes. And so there, and so to teach the girls that, 
that's really beautiful. And so I think about, you know, the situation with my son's dad, um, who was very, very amazing, very domesticated. Um, and, you know, I was, I was working a lot. And um, he did too, kind of behind the scenes. But really what I wanted was to spend more time with my son, where he got to, he, he, I say get got to, but he was spending the time with Cameron. I didn't know back then to say, and he didn't know. Because when a woman's bitching and nagging, she's, that's her way of trying to, very unconsciously, by the way, to that she needs something else. Like now I wouldn't be able to say, you know, I'm feeling really lonely, lonely right now in this relationship. I really would, you know, I, I really appreciate that you're helping me out. But the truth is, is that I really would like to spend more time with my son um, and to have that conversation. I didn't know how to do that back then. I was just probably bitchy. And, and he admits now that he, he just withdrew. He didn't know. He thought he was, he thought he was helping out um, and being like nice guy. So um, I think it's a matter of educating. And I think if we can, within um, the culture of companies, teach little, just little snippets of that, just a little bit, I think it'll make a huge difference in, uh, in what happens in the culture. Because I don't think we're going to change a lot of the old timers that are leading the companies that, that still disrespect women. I mean, it just is what it is. And we're not going to, I mean, they're, they're going to I mean, literally die out eventually. But then we've got, but then there's going to be like the, if you, the amazing development of men that by Alison Armstrong too, talks about the pages, like the boys, and you've got the rogue knights who, you know, anyone who's gone through a divorce has probably dated a rogue knight, right? And then they're never going to commit. Then there's the prince building their empire. And then there's going to be the king. So um, we have to appreciate where people are. And we need a little bit of variety in our life anyway. Um, but to actually, instead of making somebody wrong for being in that stage, know your personnel and work with them there. And there's also the same stages with women as well. Um, but it really boils down to respect. I, I I worked with this one company and they did the five love languages with everybody in the company. Really? Um, yeah, they did. And it was, um, it was interesting because it, it created a culture of conversation versus people just bitching all the time. They like, what are you, what are you? And then so people, it immediately started like talking to each other. And so it, automatically it was energy rich. I mean, I like living in an energy rich state. Um, so adding that, adding that's huge. So forget the masculine feminine. Let's just change the morale of the office altogether. Which and, I mean, be, yeah, and right. allow people to really show up fully. Well, well, exactly. And give them permission to. So I think that's where I go back to, like I did with my, my son, is that I owe you an apology. Like I, you know, and I stated what it was. And then, you know, and that's, I was kind of doing the best I could. I didn't realize. So how awesome would it be for the boss to say, you know, I didn't, let's just talk about what's out there. And I didn't even understand this, but let's, and then add some value, add services so people can be educated. And what I love about, you know, what I teach people in direct sales, especially women that have, been, have not worked outside the home, is to get their partner on board. Um, because if you, if you have, if your home life is crappy, um, your business life is gonna suffer and vice versa. Vice versa. So I think they really are, um, I think they really do or symbiotic they work together. Um, and if, if you're not doing that, you're actually just working harder, not smarter. So how do you, I mean, how do you talk to women about getting their partners on board? I mean, largely let's, let's assume you've got, you know, in direct sales, this could be like an extra income for a family. And in these times it, it people need that, especially yeah, in for, a lot of markets. I mean, I'm, it may seem crass, but I'm just going to be honest. I'll be at a meeting and I'll share, um, you know, you need to anchor in, with your family, you being on the job, what does that look like? And so, um, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times with you guys, it's through your, through your Tommy and through sex. So, you know, I'm like, you know, anchor in, if he's going to be taking care of the kids this night, and I don't mean to sound sexist, but I mean, for a lot of men, it's like they, it, it's just primal, right? Let's just talk primal. You guys are having to do the dinners and do the baths and blah, blah, blah. So when she comes home, like give them a reward and just like with the, with, with the men, I mean, make sure you're including your women in the, in the reward process as well. Um, it's not just that you're bringing home the bacon because that is true. That is true. You are bringing home the, you're creating this environment and she's also really doing something amazing at home. Um, even if she's not working outside the home, because let's face it, we don't get paid being a housewife, but we get no. paid like kisses. But back to your point, I mean, how do we, how do we acknowledge it? I think it really is a matter of making the man, the men feel comfortable. Um, and a lot of times it's actually bringing other men that can edify the fact that this would add added value. Just like if I'm going to bring in, you know, if I was going to, going to bring somebody into you for coaching, um, I know how to edify you and build you up. I mean, period. I said, so you, so I teach people how to refer. 
I teach people out, out of the gate how to refer business to me for coaching, how to refer, and also how can you actually have people, um, I guess not be, remember what I said about the O'Harry, not be the O'Harry. And you may have some negativity at home, but you just keep showing up and keep showing up. The more you include, and then also you have to be dipped in Teflon a little bit. Um, but it is a lot easier when people people are supporting you at home. And I think, yeah, I can't tell you, and so the the more, if they're anchoring in something, some physicality, even if it's just flirtatiousness. And I tell people, the last thing you want to do is be tired the next morning after a show. So if, you're, if your husband's taking care of everything at home, or your partner, and then you get up the next morning, you're bitching and complaining how tired you are, well, he's not going to really want you to be working outside the home. I mean, period. So it's, we have to show up. We have to show up for the life that we want. We have to show up for the relationship that we want, and even if the one that we don't have currently. Yeah, I 100% agree. I want, to take, <laughs> I want to take us back for a sec. You said, you know, men are often, you know, it's like bring home the bacon, or one partner is to bring home the bacon person. Yeah. But it's interesting because you still got super high divorce rates, um, people that will, will, you know, leave relationships. So it, it can't, bring home the bacon isn't enough. And I think for, especially for a lot of men, I hear this in my coaching, they're surprised by that. Well, so what's your perspective on that? That like bringing home the bacon isn't enough? Like what more, do you, what more do you need? I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I guess you kind of just talk to a man to man, right? I mean, I'm able to, I put on my man hat and go, well, you know, do you want to get laid tonight? I mean, is that working for you? Is it, are you being a misogynistic, whatever, is it working? And, um, and I go, is it true? Is it really true? And then what they end up feeling is that they, they kind of start eating their own crap. Like, why do you say that? And then they end up, they realize that, wait a minute, I'm, this isn't working. And ultimately most people don't want to get a divorce. And I want to say this too. Most affairs don't happen in the bedroom. They happen in a conversation, right? Mm. You know, it, it happened in a conversation where a man's man doesn't feel respected um, and so he meets a woman who's honoring the fact that he is where, oh, you work so hard. I really appreciate your work ethic where his wife at home is going that, can you just stay home with the kids? But, but the, but the, but the, the difference is, is that he's probably not including them and in why he's doing this. He just thinks just paying the tuition is enough. And let's face it, it should, but should doesn't, doesn't keep relationships together. No, it doesn't really work. I mean, should would, should would make the world pretty perfect. No kidding. I mean, God, if I, if I could live on should. Holy mackerel. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't. So let's just deal with what we have. Know your personnel. I mean, just, yeah. just really know your personnel. But it's, I think it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think it's happening more and more, you know, but it seems like a simple concept. Like, oh, if we just talk about the differences between men and women or between the masculine and the feminine or in whatever way in, in the workplace, it spills over at the home. But I think there's a lot of resistance. And I, I, part of the well, I think, that, then I think that we need to do a better job of, of selling it and actually go back to like, where, where's the, where's the actual problem was happening? You know, for example, are you not, is, is there, um, is productivity down, um, at the office is, are you not having sex with your spouse? Um, are you arguing a lot and go back to that and then you break it down and you tease it out from there because you're right. If I just, if I just said to you, you know, I mean, if you and I hadn't met how we met and I just walked up to you and you weren't interested in the work and I started saying, let's talk about the difference between men and women. Now. <laughs> let's talk about polarity. It's so exciting. Polarity, like what? <laughs> so, I mean, it's got, so, right. As I think it's how we, we have to, that's where we come in as the experts, right? We come in and actually say, so how is productivity? How is your home life? You know, are you, where are you on a scale of one to 10? Do you feel with your intimate partner? How are you with your children? Do you feel like you, you know, and and then you then you tug at their heartstrings or you tug at their pocketbooks, what really matters. And um, I mean, that's really what it's about. It's about us actually talking to them from, you have to be able to communicate with people at their level. Because you're right, if we had said, let's just talk about polarity. I don't even want to talk about that like that. I mean, I, you know, and I love it. I get all juiced by it because I see how, this, how it shifts. I mean, I, I mean, how many times have you been out to dinner with a couple I mean, I'm like, I try to not do this anymore because I really like to be around people that are going to be like light up the world, but um, that the woman's constantly like putting her man down or he's like, like undercut sarcasm all the time. Um, and it's all I can do not to say something. Um, and sometimes I will like after the fact or what have you, but it's difficult and people, and they're, they're starved. They're starved. They're emotionally just starved. And a man's being is doing that because he thinks it's funny because that's the way men, by the way, you guys, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, cause you're a guy. I mean, you guys are going to actually probably y'all build rapport by, um, tussling a little bit and by, you know, 
almost like putting each other down in a way, like challenging each other where yeah. we, where we want to, like I would, if I saw Rebecca, Rebecca, I love your hair. She's like, Oh my God, I love your hair. And I love that shirt. Oh, I love your shirt. And then and I, Tony does this thing got it from the David data work is, you know, if, if I told you, if I was a man and I said, Travis, that shirt, what the hell are you wearing that shirt for? You'd be like, what about this shirt? And you'd wear it every day. Just like, <laughs> I wear it every like, time I sell you. Right. But if, but if Rebecca said, Cindy, I don't think black's your color. I swear to you that evil woman that lives in a woman's head, every time I put on black, I'm going to go, she said, and it, and it eats away at a woman's self-confidence because I mean, I mean, we can blame Eve for that, I guess. I don't know. We just, this is the way it is. We just, we, we constantly have all these, these negative things running in our head. And I know you guys too in a different way, but um, if someone's truly in their masculinity um, and their king, you don't care about what you wear. You don't care what other, somebody else thinks. You no, know? you're not thinking about it. You don't even think, you're like, what, what, a, what shirt? Do I even have a shirt on? I mean, right? <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. Um, so, you know, we covered a lot of ground today and, uh, you know, we've been all over the place, which is awesome. I'm, I'm curious, what would like a really solid mm. men's leadership manifesto look like for you? If you were talking to men out there about leading, whether it's leading in the home or leading in the workplace, what would be in that manifesto for you? You know, I thought about, I thought about that actually. I was speaking to someone the other day. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I think we've, we've covered it kind of like in broad scale here. I think it's a matter of, um, of getting really in touch with who, who they are. I mean, that, that to man to manifest again, I mean, I, I can't repeat it of how we do anything, it's how we do everything and to really get down to the nitty gritty of where their values are um, and moving toward their values. And I mean, really just spending some time alone or hiring someone that can help them be accountable um, and, and, letting go of pride. My point is, is that in leadership, whether men or women, I know that you work with men, it, we are looking for your leadership. We're looking for your hedge of protection. Um, we're looking for that. Um, I mean, and I think men are too, right? We're looking for the leader to be a leader. And if I'm watching him across the room, that how he's being right now is actually the way I want to be. Um, Cause I think that's the problem these days is that a lot of leaders, politicians and such that they're not walking the walk, right? I mean, I, it's so simplistic. I, I, I don't know if you're looking for like a really big, this big answer. I, I think I love the fact it just comes down to our values. Yeah. But I think what, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is, is, is simple, but it's not easy to do. It's no, know no. your values and then actually live them out, which is massively difficult. Yeah. I, well, I see that a lot. It's about being congruent, having accountability, getting down and dirty, not everybody's going to want to do this, but you, but no one, not everyone's going to want to do it because it's change is tough. Change is tough. That's why I like theta healing too, because it does like it, it does a very quick fixing of limiting beliefs. If you're willing to actually get down to it. Um, I think I we should do a session. I would love that. I would love, I would love to do a session. Cause your you. soul, you have, when we talked about theta healing the first time, I didn't, I didn't know what the heck you were talking about. I know. And so, um, it shifted me immensely. I, 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 it's, there's so much head knowledge that I know you and I have that I'm blessed and I'm blessed. So I'll, I'll so the same, I mean, they, they, I'm like this, this has shifted me so much um, that I want to be able to, to serve, to serve people. So Sandy, that was such a great interview. I love your energy that you bring. I can feel it all the way from Florida and that just the stories that you have to share so awesome. much of this work is you know yeah it's going to come from a book but it's going to come through the how you apply it so i really appreciate you bringing that lens and uh i can't wait to get this cast up on itunes i'm excited thank you for having me it's always fun talking to you all right thanks sandy thank you all right everyone that is a wrap on the men at work podcast episode one if you like this cast please hit subscribe Stay tuned. I'll be putting out episodes every single week.